and he did this application form and I said look I'm not like I I suffer with PTSD and panic disorder why on earth would I want to go on the biggest baking show in the country you've lost your mind (laughs) this is the opposite of being in the bath with my children do you know what I mean what happened to booking a spa for goodness sake (laughs) you know let's build up slowly babe Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Thanks A Million, the podcast that thinks all about thanks with the good, the great and the grateful. Okay, wow, series six. We are back with a new format, a slightly different sound and a brand new look and I hope you love it a lot. It's kind of bonkers to think we're at series six. Where has the time gone? Thank you for being here up until now. If you're brand new to Thanks A Million, then you're in for a treat. Not only have we got a great guest today and for the next 12 weeks, but you can delve into the archives. George the Poet is worth a listen. Comedian and actor Ashling B. Oscar nominated Katrina Balfe. Bridgerton's Nicola Coughlin. Ruby Wax. Joe Brand. I'm just listing names, but they've all been on the podcast. Fern Cotton, Jamila Jamil. Tom Allen. Marion Keys, and so many more. Honestly, delve back in over the last number of series and there will be something that I hope will spark a little bit of joy or slap you around the face or just make you chuckle. Have a listen. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to beg, okay? We're at the start of a new series. We're looking ahead, not behind, but we can do both, okay? We're straddling. We're straddling. Is it okay to straddle in this day and age? I actually have no idea. Okay, I'm getting carried away and a little bit excited. There are just about a million things that I've been grateful for lately. Shall we have a little listen? I know I shouldn't say this, but you know when people say if their kid is sick, they get real pettish and snuggly. Yesterday, Ruby banged her head. Wouldn't wish it on my enemy just to be clear. But she got really, really, really snuggly. And she came into my arms and was saying, mama, mama, mama. And it was divine, not gonna lie. And we sat on the floor. I was in my pajamas, she was in a tutu. And I just held her for like 10 minutes as she snuggled into me. And it was actually the cutest thing in the world. And sometimes, you know, you're trying to hurry it away. Look. There's a dinosaur outside the window. Did you see it? Oh, it's gone. Or, you know, here's a piece of mango. And I didn't do that. And I just sat in the little snotty hug. And it was divine. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Snot is still on my jumper, but that's a a different point. I really, it's lovely. But like the Petri dish that is a house when there's a baby and a schoolgoer. I mean, you know, it's old news to lots, but it's relatively new to me. Excuse me. Okay, enough, enough about me and my snotty nose. Before we dive into today's chats, what are you, the listeners, thankful for? Jeffrey, Jeffrey from Cumbria, mountain biking in beautiful Utah. I don't think Utah's anywhere near Cumbria. Are they in it? Okay, hang on. Oh yeah. So I had a vision about Utah and it was absolutely right. It's a bit like in Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist. It's actually nothing like that. I think that's the Sahara Desert. But in my head, it's kind of red, dusty, rockiness. I don't know. I'm lost. Geographically, you know, geography. Geography was at Cumbria I'm doing now. Cumbria. I was never great at geography. Well, actually I was. I really fancied my geography teacher. God, that's a whole different thing. Sorry, I need to lie down. Okay, Cumbria. Oh, Cumbria is very, very different to Utah. It's very green, very, very green, hilly. It's near the Lake District. (laughs) Shall we move on? 
Okay, Adrian in London. Okay, I feel safe. We're closer to home. I am grateful for the 25 minutes in between playing tennis and Pilates starting. Oh, what was sandwiched in between those? I get to sit on a lovely bench, peaceful, next to the courts, out of the wind, and just do nothing. Just have a little bit of me time. I like that. Me time. Actually, I saw, not to take you out of the podcast world, but Netflix have a film at the moment called Me Time with Kevin Hart. Now, I don't, I would say if you have a lot on your plate, maybe you'll never get the time back. But if you're genuinely looking for a way to waste time, then it's actually a pretty good film. (laughs) He's cute. Pick up your ears, or is it prick up your ears? You're about to meet today's guest. Nadia Hussein is best known for winning the Great British Bake Off in 2015. Since then, she's barely been off our screens. And she's had no less than seven cookbooks and four children's books to boot. All that on top of posting recipes to her website, touring literary festivals, writing as a monthly columnist for The Times and aforementioned series, brand new on BBC Two, Nadia's Everyday Baking, which I love. It is so saccharine and escapist and colourful and delicious. And that's just me licking the screen. Over the years, Nadia has spoken extensively about her journey with panic disorder, creating a documentary for the BBC and writing a children's book called My Monster and Me. She's a very busy mum of three and I am so, so happy she managed to squeeze us in. She's no less than our first guest of the season. Please welcome Nadia Hussein. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hi, you look glorious. Oh, thank you. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. How good. are you? Good. Yeah, good. good. I've just I'm in between making jam and a tart. Mm. Connected? Are we talking jam tart or no. tart with jam on it? <laughs> no, a tart for when the kids get in and run in and have something quickly to put in their mouth yeah. before dinner. And then I'm making a jam with berries that have been in the freezer for way too long and they just need something doing with and with some uh lime leaves jam and lime this is so on brand Nadia I think if you were like (laughs) oh I've just done a pilates class I'm about to run out and get a green juice I'd be absolutely furious I'm like I think you'd be devastated I think think you would be devastated (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but I also love that your kids as a little holding snack instead of a paltry old dried mango or you know an apple they get a slice of tart they're going into school going we've literally got the best gig <laughs> they um they're getting bigger and the bigger they get the more hungry they mm, become yeah hence. and um i've got a 16 year old and a 15 year old which is hot it's weird when i say it out loud because they're enormous and they they are, have hollow legs and i just I don't know what to feed them anymore because they're just they're eating me out of house and home. Stuff those legs with tart. That's what yeah. you do. Yeah. Stuff them. Yeah. Uh, lucky, lucky kids. Before we kick off today, Nadia, I would love for you to have a little look around wherever you are. <laughs> this can sometimes be a little challenging, but it's a little game, right? Show me something that you are grateful for. That's around me right yeah. now. You can get up. Okay. Well, I'll give you 30 seconds if you want to go forage. For something. Yeah. No, I'm in my office and this is like my, this is my quiet space. When my door is shut, everything in here is mine. Nobody touches it. Like, it's mine. 
But if I was going to pick something, I've got my notice board here and I put all the kids kind of plan. I put their plans on here, you know, on what what they do day to day. And then I've got lots of boring things. But I've got one thing here that, so I told my little girl, why don't you, I always get her to like, she gets really bored really quickly and she needs constant entertaining and she's what, she'll be 12 uh, in a few days. And she said, I said, why don't you write a letter to your future self? Just, just write something, see what comes out. And so she said, she said, I've written it very quick. I was like, well, you didn't write much to yourself. Where's but the profanity? She wrote it very quickly. And she said, here you go. And then she just left it. Uh, and this is when we were on holiday. And so I brought it back with me. And it says, dear Ma, I know you thought I was writing a letter to my future self, but I wanted to tell you something. Whenever you're feeling upset, down, not confident, look at this and read it. You are a kind and beautiful soul that deserves the world i love oh you oh my god isn't that just delicious <laughs> is isn't it so gorgeous i am grateful for my girl wow yeah so but but she, she's obviously hearing that from you you yeah. know yeah i think um yeah she obviously i don't think about you know you don't think about yeah. that you know the whole parenting gig is weird it's isn't mental. it because you don't think about what you put in because you just do it because mm. they are your heart and soul and you just do it. And you don't really think about what comes out the other end. And then things like that happen. And you forget that actually that is a product of she, that is a product of her environment and how she's spoken to and how she feels and how she's being raised. And you don't really think about it like that. And I think we're very bad at patting ourselves on the back and saying, actually, you did that. And yeah, I'm grateful for my little girl because God knows there are too many men in this house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it helps to have, it helps to have that, um, the softness of mm, having her around. Yeah, feminine energy, but also the power in that and in the acknowledging of it and knowing it and like allowing you to, you know, lean into those vulnerable moments, but like staying in touch with the fact that you're confident and you're an absolute powerhouse and yeah. you've got this. Yeah, 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 and, and yeah, it's 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 really weird because when she says that, and I when when you read those words out, it's hard to ever see yourself the way. I, it's nice that she sees me that yeah. way because I don't see myself that way. So the fact that she sees that is a really good foundation yeah. for her growing up, going into the future, going into life, whether that's education, work, you know, that just traveling, you know, to know that she has that at home and that's where it started is really important. Hadn't really, you know, it's something that I didn't grow up with. So yeah, so I look at that every day. I read that every single day. Like I come in here and that's one of the first things I read. But even still, it moves you when you read it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because, you know, I will get her to write a letter to her future self and she will actually write it for herself. But you know, in that moment, like, I'd love to know how she was, fe- I mean, suppose I know how she was feeling in that moment because she wrote that, but she's just started high school. So she just, she's always sending me these little text messages. She'll text me every single day, lunch or, you know, snack time. Oh. And I'm like, you know, this is costing you money, but she's been doing it for weeks. It's like, like little she- updates, little snippets of her yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the panini was too crunchy today. (laughs) (laughs) Feedback. That's what the school dinner man is looking for. (laughs) She'll send me messages saying, what do you think they did because the panini was too crunchy or the cheese hadn't melted. And so we'll have a little discussion when she gets back about the panini. So yeah, she keeps me up. You know what? It's lovely because she still um, acknowledges me. I love it. I love it. That's the dream. Long may it last. Long may it last. Oh, what a kid. Okay, great. Loves that one. Kicking on. What, Nadia, is the advice that you are most thankful for? 
this bit of advice has seen me through so far uh, in such good stead. Um, don't go to bed angry. And that is something that, you know, as a, as a young mom getting married very early, I didn't really know my husband very well. And, and, and I found myself going to bed very angry. And, you know, when I was upset, even about the littlest thing, tiniest, teeniest, tiniest things, I would find myself getting, going to bed with that anger. And I read somewhere once a really long time ago, don't go to bed angry. And I remember actually, I used to work with doctors as a teenager and the doctor said to me, and I never thought about it. When you're a teenager, you don't really, you, you don't listen, let's face it. And he said, never ever go to bed angry. That is why I've been married for 40 something years is because we never go to bed angry. Never really thought about it till I read it and realized that doctor had said it to me once. I remember being very, I, I got married very young. I was 21, uh, 20 when I got married, 21 when I had a baby. And I used to feel yeah. anger like a 21-year-old. But I was also a mum and a wife. And I had all these responsibilities. And I would go to bed very angry. And it could be tiny things. And then that anger would seep into the next day. And it's toxic. you know. It, and then it, but it goes into day four. And you don't really remember why you're angry. But you, I am stubborn enough to say, well, I, if I started the week off angry, I will end it angry. <laughs> Committed like that. I don't know why I'm angry anymore. But I'm going to continue to be angry. And then it just kind of you kind of lose yourself in the anger a little bit. And I think over the years, that's one of the things that has been like crucial to our marriage is that when we have something that's bothering us, we talk it out, we hash it out, we we discuss it, but we do not take those feelings to bed because you just, it, it manifests itself in a much darker, more toxic way the next day and then the next day and then the next day. And then that's just not a nice way to live. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not a peaceful way to live in your mind, to go to bed feeling that. And I have to say, it's come into place so much more since having teenagers. Um, and anyone who has kids who are growing up, going through that kind of ebb and flow of hormones. Yeah. You know, I found that my kids now are happy to go to bed with anger because they're teenagers. Yeah. It's literally their gig. That is it. That's what they're here for, right? To go to bed angry and miserable and wake up even angrier and even more <laughs> miserable. Yeah, so I I found that quite interesting because as they've gotten older, I've made it a thing to kind of break the ice before they go to bed. And don't get me wrong, my kids are twice as stubborn as me, so they never, never give in, never. But, you know, I'll go the extra hog and give them a little kiss or, you know, pass them a bit of cake or, and they know, they know she's trying to not go, to, we're trying to not go to bed angry. And I'll like slide a bit of cake over. Little um, sweet olive branch. Yeah. And, and, and they know, uh, but you know, at the moment they are teenagers and they don't really understand. I suppose they don't understand what I'm doing, but just like me as a teenager, when I heard the doctor say, don't go to bed angry, I'm really hopeful that in years to come when my kids go into adulthood they'll remember actually my mum said that my mum said don't go to bed angry and she passed us a bit of cake or she gave me a kiss when I didn't want a kiss she gave me you know she gave me affection when I didn't want to be touched yeah. and you know like things like that and I, I'm hopeful that even though I didn't really understand the meaning of those words till I went into adulthood I'm hopeful that my kids will understand the meaning of those words when they go into yeah, adulthood. I remember them. Uh, and I'm okay with them not understanding it now or understanding the value of those words uh, now. But for me and my husband, and even like, especially my sisters, like 
if something happens, I'm like, no, no, text, let's get this sorted, let's fix this, I'm not going to bed like this, because it can just, it can fester, and it can become bigger than it needs to be. And also, I love that, that even if they don't want the affection, or the cake, or whatever it is, that little moment of, of connection, I think, and this is not just teenagers, but I think often, we we need it the most when we're repelling it. Like we so, you know, it, it's hard for the people around us to give it when we're in that grump, but it's actually probably what like we're yearning for on a soul level. You're yeah. like throwing your toys out of the pram and kicking and screaming, but all you really want is to be held and allowed to kick and scream, but like held in safety and like, I love you anyway. Yeah, that's there's something that I, I there's something about physical touch that's really important to me because as my kids have gotten older, like my twelve year old still wants to sleep in my bed and she still wants True. to snuggle up and she still wants to like she's like she looks at me before she goes to bed as if tonight can you sleep in my bed or vice versa, um, and and so she she still kind of craves she kind of wants physical touch whereas the boys are setting up different boundaries now. Yeah, of course. But what I do, um, one thing I've always done for a really long time like for years since they became teenagers it's like I've, I'm slowly I can see that they're setting up boundaries and you know sometimes they don't always want a hug or a mm-hmm. kiss or, or that kind of affection um whereas my daughter and I we're like pretzels we're just like literally wound together um what I like to do is every Sunday I clean their feet so I sit down with a bucket of hot water and they watch telly and we chat and I clean their feet for them and um I love I love yeah, doing yeah. feet anyway so it's a thing that I started years ago and I sit down with them and it's tactile mm-hmm. you know I get to touch a piece of their body that isn't in any way kind of invasive it's just their feet and I look after it and I moisturize and exfoliate and I file them down oh, and I make them wow. really pretty and they as much as they hate physical touch sometimes doing that with them really makes us feel closer um, and to the point where they're like, mum, can we do your feet for you? Because you always do our feet. And so now every few Sundays, they're like, can we do yours? Oh, and then I, I hate my feet being done, but I let them yeah. uh, because they want to connect with me. So in it's it's amazing how you can have a bond without actually talking and, and it can just be from just touch. So it's a big part of my staying close to them yeah. oh I love that also if you don't want it and they're like open send them over I love like <laughs> reflexology anything foot related and my husband much to my annoyance is allergic I have pretty good feet Nadia I don't mind saying it there's a footopedia page out there and I've got a pretty high rating <laughs> <laughs> but actually I honestly it's I think it's one of the most um there's something really powerful about about the about touching the feet I know there'll be people losing their minds but I love 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 it I think it's re- really I don't know it's it feels symbolic it's more than just oh I, I'm getting a massage it feels like a real sense of connection I think yeah for, especially when it's your own children yeah. because you know those are the little feet that I sniffed and touched yeah. and you know like hell you know when they were sleeping and I didn't want to really disturb them but I wanted to touch them it was the little feet that I would touch occasionally and for me 
I will always see those baby feet. Yeah. Like, they will always be baby feet to yeah. me. Like, I know every crevice. I know every fallen arch, every toe. You know, I know it. Little and fluff balls between the toes. Yeah, 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 yeah. New socks yeah. that haven't been washed and get the little fluff balls. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, for me, I still see those baby feet and, and they don't understand it. Mm. They're like, I don't get it. My feet are disgusting. They're like, big and hairy now, Mom. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, they're not to me. They're like my little feet. So, yeah, it's such a big part of, of our staying close to close to each other. I love that. I love that and don't go to bed angry that's a really good one and it's kind of it feels like quite a classic one but to li- to live by it to actually embody it is is the key so on to the chapter the thank f for that is there something that springs to mind yeah i think for me thank f for that would have to be my husband doing my application form for bake-off because I, as somebody who suffers with panic disorder and PTSD, like I got to a point just before we, uh, before he applied for Bake Off, where I was in bed quite a lot, spending a lot of time isolated, quite withdrawn, not really in, you know, like in constant contact with my own family, his family, which was just very much isolated. I was quite happy just to be at home with the children. But I found myself in bed very early and just like, just completely isolating myself and uh, kind of lost in my own thoughts and um by this point I'd sort of done I was a I was at home and I was a stay-at-home mum for seven eight years and my husband just said look you've he's got an amazing career and he just said look I've done everything I possibly can or want to in my career and I've traveled and I've you know you have because you've stepped back and you've raised the kids you know I've been able to do that but your whole life revolves around the kids and he could see they were the safety blanket, you know, they were the cushioning and they're the thing that made me feel safe. So if I went to the supermarket, I would always take a kid with me because I didn't want to be on my own. So he just said, what do you ever do on your own? Just you. And I literally did nothing. I could not name one thing I did on my own. Even when I had a bath, I would be like, I'm in the bath, throw them in. So one by one, I would wash out, wash out, wash out. So it was never, I never spent any time on my own. He just said, you need to do something for you. And that's what I did, you know, and and he did this application form. And I said, look, I'm not like, I I suffer with PTSD and panic disorder. Why on earth would I want to go on the biggest baking show in the country? You've lost your mind. (laughs) This is the opposite of being in the bath with my children. Do you know what I mean? What happened to booking a spa day, for goodness sake, (laughs) you know? Let's build up slowly, babe. yeah, Yeah, you know, and he just said, you're really good at baking and you're really, he said, you're just so good at it. He goes, I watch these people on Bake Off and I'm like, she can do that. She can do that. She, he goes, you should do it. And I said, absolutely not in a million years. Am I doing that? So we did the application and then sent it through two days to the deadline. I get a phone call, do a like a two hour interview on the phone. And then the interview process is close to four to six months of taking bakes in, being judged. Is it that being, intense? It's that intense. Wow. And do like, um... They do screenings and they interview with a camera in your face and they, you know, do a bake where you are amongst other people and you're baking and you're chatting. So and it's quite intense. And then I made it to the final 12 and I said to my husband, I said, you can't, I, I, I can't do it. I can't, I, I'm not doing it. You're going to have to tell him I died. <laughs> I did. I did. I said, you're going to have to tell him I died. Oh my God. So what, um, you just were freaked out. You had kind of got whipped up in the thing, not assuming you'd be chosen. I just did it to humour him. I did it to humour him. And I said, okay, well, I'm doing it, but I'm not going to get in. Then I got in and I said, well, what am I supposed... I called him and I said, what am I supposed to do now? I got into the final 12. And he's like, woohoo. I'm like, woohoo, nothing. (laughs) How am I supposed to get out of this now? 
And he said, how many times have you spent your life trying to get out of stuff? Like, what is your problem? Just do it. Mm. And then I said, tell him I died. And he said, you tell him, you tell him you died. And I said, well, that doesn't work because I can't come back from the dead, can I? Um, and so we had this ridiculous debate about who's going to tell him I died. And then I called them and then I hung up on them three times. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I said, look, I cried and cried and cried and cried. And he said, I said, look, I'm going to do it because I don't know how to get out of it. Um, and he said, okay, just make sure you don't get kicked out week one because that would be really embarrassing for both of us. So I'm like, really, you are not helping me. <laughs> and I think it was that, I think he kind of almost, he knows how competitive I am. And I think without realizing it, he kind of pushed me in a way that I didn't, I didn't realize. And I'm really competitive and I'm really stubborn. And I think when he fights me, I fight back. Mm -hmm. Okay, and okay. So it was his idea, but you were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was his idea. And then I got in and then he's like, you know, like he said, oh, you wouldn't have got in if it wasn't for me. And I was like, I got in because of me. Watch you me can't make, win this. What are you talking about? And so I just think sometimes he does that. I think he does it deliberately, you know, I think he fights me so that I can fight him yeah, so okay. that I can realize that I'm much stronger than I am. Um, I don't know if he does that consciously. Well, I think he just likes a fight, to be honest. I love that, though, because I think sometimes we maybe, and I can relate to that, you kind of slightly fall into a, a more, um, it's just easy, isn't it, to, to trot along. But then if someone messes with you and maybe he knows that, he knows where the fire is and he's like, I know that fire. Why don't you apply that to something you love? Yeah, it's a bit like when somebody says, oh, your kid, your um." You know, your kid's a little bit of a... He's a bit of a, a, bit of a pain. You're like, that's my pain. You don't get to call <laughs> exactly, him a pain. Exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's it's that... Yeah, it's that... I don't know, I'm slightly territorial. There's that kind of lioness thing. Uh, and I see that in my daughter. I see it completely. And I think when somebody... I am allowed... It's almost like I'm allowed to tell myself that I can't do something, but you don't get to tell me I can't do it. So we used a bit of reverse psychology on you, really. I don't know if he did it consciously or not, but I think when he said, oh, I don't know, I think, you know, maybe just try not to get kicked out week one. I was like, okay, but that's not helping me. But then it was like, it was then my challenge to not get kicked you out week like, one. Here we go. Yeah. And then I think that's just where it, so yeah, thank goodness that he did that application because somewhere he saw a spark and it was up to me to light the fire. Mm-hmm. And you lit it, you burned it down in fairness. Didn't I just? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, if if he hadn't done that, if you had gone along with the, the pretense that you had died, um, what what would you be doing, do you think? Um, so I'd finished, so I was finishing off my degree. So I started off a degree because I was, as a, as a teenager, I'd got into university, did really well at college, got into university, but I wasn't allowed to go to university because nobody in my family had ever been. And my mum and dad were like, absolutely no way you're not going to university. So stubborn teenager that I was, I, um, I got three jobs and I said, well, I can't go to university, but I'm not going to be at home. So I just worked and worked and worked. And uh, my dad said, we can't just work. You've got to get married. And so there I was. I had to be in my bonnet about not being able to go to university. Still do, still do occasionally. I find myself throwing that into every debate uh, because my brother did. My brother went to university and he was allowed to go. So for me, that was a really tough one. And I think it still sticks a little bit. I find myself sometimes a little bit, you can ruffle my feathers if you talk about university. Okay, fair. And I, get, I used to get really angry. And so when I was pregnant, just before I became pregnant with my 
third with my daughter, I went to Open University and did my degree in childhood and youth studies in the hope to become uh, a social worker. So I think had I not done this, I think I would have been a social worker. And also, if this doesn't work out, that's exactly where I'll be. It must be lovely. I mean, your daughter is 12 and the lads are slightly older. They're obviously within a short space of time. Things have changed and her it will be open if she wants to go to college. I'm sure that will be supported. That's quite amazing, you know, in, in the space of a few years. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, my kids are going to, as a parent, our kids are going to say and do things that are going to frighten the life of, out of us. I, I I know it. Like I on I kid you not. Like my my son turned sixteen a few week a month ago, and um, he's going to be allowed to drive in eleven months. I can't even get him to tidy his room. How are we supposed to let him out on the road? Nothing really prepares you uh, for for that. So no, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. The world is their oyster. Our kids are going to do things that scare us, but I will not say no to them. I will not limit them. I will not tell them that they don't, there are not possibilities you know for my daughter she can travel she can go to university as long as she is she makes good decisions and she knows herself um that's the most important thing and I think what's really brilliant is that you're embodying that you know I think a lot of the time we're told you can do whatever you want but we don't see that living example you know and I think she will see she's like my mum is literally living her dream it's possible a it's possible and b that's yeah that I don't want to go underneath that standard I mean I can strive to to do a job that looks like it's not a job yeah I mean I a few years ago when I first uh won bake-off um about a year in my son you know in primary school where they sit down and they're like so what does your mum do and what does your dad do yeah. and they're talking about careers and things like that and my son was asked what does your mum do and he said dad works in IT couldn't work out what I do okay. <laughs> and so he said could you come could you come back to me he said could you come back to me so they went round twice and they said so right you must say you're, you're you're left and what what does your mum do and he said um I don't really know but she does I think she lives her dreams oh my god right I know, and I still tell that story, and it's still I feel a little lump in my throat because I, it's just you know he he sees what we want all of our kids to see us doing, no matter what job we do, um, and I, you know, like my my son sees me live my dreams, and that's all I can ever want is for my children to aspire to live their dreams. I don't care if they don't want to go to university. I don't care if they want to go to university. They can do whatever they like. As long as they're happy at the core of it, as long as they are happy on the inside and they go to bed with that happiness and that warmth, that's what matters to me. And they see me do something that I absolutely love. I breathe, live and eat my job and they see that and that's all I want for my kids that's it so had he not done that application I wouldn't be here that's amazing I love that thank you thank you for that okay is there a thank god no one knows well yeah I suppose there are loads of thank god no one knows um are there I had to really think about this one um but now everyone will know (laughs) exactly now everyone will know as a, as a teenager, I remember working, I didn't go to uni, so I was like three jobs, uh, needed to save plenty of money. I was like, all right, I've got to save money. How do I save? How do I, I'm trying to teach my kids how to save money, but it's failing miserably. Like, right, how do I not? I was really good at kind of like, okay, so this goes here, this goes there. And I was desperate, desperate to join the gym. And my mom said, absolutely 
no way are you joining a gym. You're not joining. You go to work, you come home, that's it. And this might sound really ridiculous to lots of people because like at 18, 19, it's, you know, we were quite isolated, I suppose, quite restrictive. And that was a cultural, definitely a cultural thing. And it's not same to say that it's every Bangladeshi household, certainly my parents, they were very traditional kind of girls stayed at home, we didn't have social lives, we kind of weren't allowed to do very much, whereas it was very different for the boys. So I was like, I really, really want to join the gym. And so I used to work opposite a gym. So I was like, well, I could join that gym and maybe go to that gym um, on my breaks or, you know. So I was like, mum won't let me join the gym, but what she doesn't know won't kill her. But yeah, so... I went in and I said, you know, like they said, oh, we got a couple, we've got a couple's discount. It's like, oh, so I don't, I'm not a couple. I don't have anyone that I can go in with. So my friend at the time worked there with me and I said, do you kind of want to pretend to be a couple so we could get this discount? And she said, yes. <laughs> and so we went in as a lesbian couple <laughs> and got a really good discount. <laughs> I mean, that's a win. A discount and buns of steel all in one go. (laughs) All in one go. And, you know, I did what all good teenagers do and I completely defied my parents. And I was like, they don't know I'm at the gym. They don't even know that I'm in a lesbian couple. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know? Like, I'm literally breaking all the rules here. Um, But yeah, uh, we, we joined the gym. And I did what all gym members, all good gym members do. I never went. Yes, it's exactly why you fight for a discount so that you can leave the card pristine in your wallet. (laughs) Exactly. Did I join the gym? Yes. Did I get a discount? Yes. Did I ever go? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) That is brilliant. That is brilliant. Oh, I love that. Okay, did your friend go? No. No. Obviously. No. Obviously, we, we took calls and we worked and we drank cups of tea. She was in it for the That's win. That's all we did. In it for the discount. Yeah, we just, we just looked at the gym from work. Was your brother allowed to join a gym? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I do see why there was a defiance. I mean, I respect that defiance. And obviously, it was at yeah. a slightly more extreme, you know, level for you. But you mentioned more in reference to the kids and even, the, you know, the advice not going to bed angry. It feels like you're in touch with anger it's something I'm trying to um to get friendly with so to speak I think it's an emotion that there wasn't much space for with us with us growing up and that might be a cultural thing on on my side were you allowed to like have a good hearty were you allowed to be angry as a kid or did those kind of senses of injustice for you know want of a, a better word was that silent for the most part when you were growing up yeah, we grew, we grew up around lots of so-and-so's not talking to so-and-so, lots okay. of anger. Right, repressed anger. L- yeah, well, lots of anger, but it was always the grown-ups that had... Like, so we grew up around... So we, even though I, I'm one of six, we grew up around our extended family. So on a weekend, we could have somebody like something like 50-something people come over uh, on a weekend, and that was normal. That was completely normal at my mum's house. Um, and so... Uh, we grew up around lots of argumentative adults, and so it was lots of aggression and anger and conflict. And I suppose when you're a child growing up around that, it's really hard to see where your own anger fits because it's so oppressive 
that anger that there is no space for a child to feel that emotion or mm. so I remember kind of looking at them thinking wow I really don't want to be like that um I really don't want I don't I don't want to behave that way and don't get me wrong you know I I have been so angry at points where I have uh I have you know perforated my diaphragm from shouting wow. that is how angry I have been so I I've definitely taken some um tips off my family <laughs> on how to be angry and do it really really Unleash well the lion. but we grew up around all of that and I think I tried really hard for a long time not to become that person to be really angry but given the way I was raised and hurdles that I had to face as a woman as a girl there was always that that anger that just sat just it was there and it just sat and I think that explains a lot about my panic disorder, about my PTSD and, and, and the different ways that I've, it, it's manifested itself. Being angry isn't an, isn't an emotion that I welcome all the time because it, it can, I can go from naught to 60 very, very quickly, but it's not an emotion that we should ignore. That's something that I've learned through time is finding that balance, just like we shouldn't, we shouldn't ignore, um, sadness and, the emotions that come with feeling sad or bereft, we shouldn't ignore anger. There's a reason why that bubbles to the surface and we have to we have to understand that. We have to unpack that. Um, so yeah, I'm not shy of anger and I don't mind. Like I let my kids, like, do you want to have a rant? Go ahead, let it out, get it out of your system. To be honest, I, I want to, like my husband disagrees with me, but I think we should let them swear occasionally because it, it helps to like let some of that out. I mean, sometimes there's literally just nothing better than a, a sweary rant and it's makes no sense. They're, it doesn't matter. It's just like a release of... It just it yeah. helps to kind of release some of that anxiety. So I think, yeah, I think I said to my husband, we should give them once a week a swear day. Yeah. Just like get it out of your system. Uh, yeah. I like <laughs> that. Swear. We should all have one yeah. of those. I'm not unfamiliar. You know, anger is something that I'm very familiar with. Yeah. But... Uh, growing up uh you know being told you can't do this or this is not the right thing for a woman or this is not the right thing for you or being constantly be told being told where my path leads uh has always kind of induced anger in me but I've learned to become better at kind of repressing that anger and not taking out on anyone and finding more kind of holistic approaches to, yeah. to releasing that anger anger whether that's walking whether that's praying whether that's sitting in my office and reading a note my daughter wrote you know like just finding ways of saying okay it's cool but knowing it I think that's the key and for me I was like I don't know they say anger turned inwards is uh, depression I was like, oh, wow, I, d I hadn't realized that over the years, anger was a very frightening emotion for me. I thought that if I let any of it erupt, that it would swallow me whole, that I would, you know, perforate, perforate my diaphragm or somebody else's. And, and I think I was, I was quite afraid of that anger. And, and all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, well, I say all of a sudden, but more recently I'm becoming less afraid and more welcoming of that as an emotion that can be harnessed, I suppose. Yeah. I think you need a swear day, Angela. I know. <laughs> Every day is a swear day for me, Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> On we go before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> the thanks that got away. Thanks that got away. So growing up, I mean, this is might be really, really unusual for lots of people because, you know, we are all from all walks of lives and we all lived very different lives. And I'm really open about talking about, you know, how I was raised and, and it is, it's very different to lots of people. And I often find, um, I often find people uh, kind of think, oh, Really? You know, like even simple things like, oh, you didn't get to go to university because it's a given for everybody else. But Or the I gym thing or, yeah. Yeah. 
do you know, like a lot of people think, well, that's just unusual. But actually, there are lots of us who can relate to that. And it's really, it's really, for me, it's quite cathartic to be able to express that because like, you know, even though I get those reactions, it's lovely to be able to say it out loud because I can then let it go as well. It's like kind of, here you go. This, and I'm not ashamed of it. It's just, it is just the way we were raised. But thanks that got away would, for me, so as you get older, um, you know, you sort of hit, you set 16, 17s and slowly you start, the suitors start trickling in. So people are like, oh, so you have a daughter. Oh, so I have a son. And uh, my dad had a really good friend and he said, oh, I, I really... Like my dad had four daughters, so he's like, oh, I really like that one. And I was like, you're not in a dress shop, but okay. Which is funny because like my sisters hadn't been married, weren't married, and they were like, oh, he just kind of, he picked me specifically, and he just said, oh, I really, I really like that one. And I was like, yes, okay. And, and I wasn't sure which son it was for. And so... Did you have a preference? We were out in town one... Well, we were out, well. I was like, oh what do you mean... Well, he was just like, well, she, when he said, oh, I like that one. And I, and I said to my sister, but what if I don't like what he's offering? And my sister said, as long as they're happy with what they're getting, I don't think anyone cares whether you are happy or not. So I thought, okay. So once we were in town and uh, me and my sisters, we were out in town and my big sister said, oh, do you know that guy that came to our house? Do you know the son? I was like, no. Well, she's like, that's the son. And I was like, <laughs> is that an excited giggle <laughs> or <laughs> run for the hills I was like not in a million years if you were the last man on earth and I was still a virgin never <laughs> no no oh my goodness what, what was he I wearing say? Nadia oh it was horrific Oh, so it was, it was, for me, the, the icing on the cake was the, was the gold tips oh, in his hair. Okay. Oh, okay. So it was it's the like, 90s. Oh, it was the, it was like a box, like little boxes of yeah. spikes. What was it called? Sunin. And they did the little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it was like blonde and the tightest t-shirt like so tight you could hear the fabric scream (laughs) it was so tight so tight um and 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 it was like a gold chain like just a really oh so sexy no just my hairs on the back of my neck stand up just talking about it and not in a good way not in a good way yeah at all and i looked at i looked at my sister and i said i just laughed I just laughed in her face and I said, as if I would ever marry him. And then she, she just, we both just laughed. And Was um, it a nervous kind of laughter that meant, oh my God, am I going to have to marry him? Oh, it was never going to be like, my parents were great in that they okay. would never have forced me to marry anyone. Never, never. They would have put it to me. Mm. Um, and 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 he this guy used to come around all the time and he would come and he would always make that same comment and one day he said oh i want you i want you for my son and then i just said i don't want me for your son oh punchy <laughs> and i was also about 19 and i said oh but i don't want me for your son and my dad just looked at me and then um he looked at my dad and then my dad said oh she's got a bit of a mouth on her <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I think he decided he didn't want a daughter-in-law with a mouth on her. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, So thank God that one got away. Okay. Okay. So that is literally frosted tips walking out the door. See you later. Thank you for a lucky escape with your stretchy tight t-shirt. Get lost. Smell you later. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. You and your gob, Nadia. It's gonna. It's gotten me into trouble, but I tell you what, it set me in good stead. uh, because we live in a world where anyone and everyone will try and keep us quiet and tell us that we're not good enough or that our voice can't be heard. Do you know what? I am not. I'm just, I can't live my life that way. I just, I've spent my entire existence being told that's not the right thing to say. That's, that's, you know, that's not the, that's not what a woman should say, or that's not what you should be saying, or that's not, that's not, that's not the dumb thing. And I just, I cannot raise my children to believe that, their voices voices aren't there to be heard. I just cannot raise my children that way. And whilst I'm a stickler for rules and discipline and getting things done, like, I don't want my kids to think that they live in a world where they cannot speak their truth and they cannot speak the words that need to come out of their mouth. Because I was raised that way. And, and that anger inwardly caused the depression and caused the PTSD and the panic disorder. And I don't want that for my kids. I want my kids to be able to express themselves. And not everybody's, and I tell my kids, you are gonna say things people are not gonna like. You're gonna say things that people don't want to hear, but do not let that mute you. And and it's important to say what you think and what you feel. And uh, you know, it took a lot for me to say to that man, do you know what, maybe I don't, forget the fact that you, you know, like you want me for your son. Maybe I don't want your son. You know, and, uh, you know, I got a lot, I got talking to, it's like, you don't talk to elders like that and you don't behave that way. And I'm like, you know, I, I wasn't made for a box. I wasn't made for a box and neither are my children. Well, long may you smash out of that box, Nadia. Honestly, very lucky kids. You are so gloriously expressive and generous and uh, and insightful uh, so thank you so much for um for chatting to me this morning I loved that I feel like I'm going to take on the world take on the world it, and it's a Tuesday Tuesdays are the worst days Tuesdays are the what's worst the days what's the unless you start them with Nadia Hussein thank you thank you what a glorious woman I'm obsessed, absolutely obsessed with her. And that was totally unexpected. I watch her on her TV shows. I've read her books. It's like just so joyous and colorful and pure. But she is also deliciously savage. And that was just so wonderfully unexpected. What a woman, lots of advice, wow. If you enjoyed our episode with Nadia or any of the other episodes that you've listened to over the last few years, I would love it if you'd leave us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. Five stars is what we're going for. Anything less, keep it to yourself, as they say. What else? Oh, yes. Please do subscribe wherever you get your pods. Apple, Spotify, you know, just talk to Alexa in the corner and tell her to do her gig. And if you want to hear more from me, as well as see some videos of our guests and the podcast, you can find me at Angela Scanlon. And finally, if you'd like to hear your own dulcet tones or snotty sobs, on our show, send me a voice note via my new WhatsApp. I know, I feel like we've made it. 073-613-67705. Yep, it's a WhatsApp. Well, I mean, it's just a phone number, but it leads you to a WhatsApp group where I would love for you to send me 
the little things that you are grateful for. Or just any old chin wag, really. We're not fussy at this point in time. We may get a little fussier as the numbers ramp up, you know? Who knows? But at the moment, any old drivel will do. <laughs> That's not the message. We've got standards here, okay? We've got standards. Enough of yourself. Thank you. Goodbye. husband's playing the guitar downstairs and I told him specifically do not play that guitar let him riff let him live his life think, okay I'm fine with a bit of ambient noise yeah I mean like they always say to me like how is this your job and like they just complete disregard the fact that I'm doing my job is sitting there strumming on his guitar I mean no respect I hear whatsoever. you I hear you I'm like yeah, just because the door's closed and I'm chatting this is literally my livelihood take it seriously exactly. please well, my husband always says, you're having way too much fun. He's like, yeah, how can it be a job? And I go, listen, we can't all work in IT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when my British husband came to visit my Indian family for the first time. And we went on a holiday and my parents insisted that he shared a room with my granny. And he found that absolutely remarkable that he had to deal with my granny snoring and farting all night over sharing a room with me. But them's the rules, Indian families. Uh, and thank fuck he stuck around because now we're married and we have two brilliant kids and he doesn't have to sleep with my grandmother anymore. Alexa, can you please subscribe to Angela Scanlon by Thanks a Million? What? <laughs> Does that work for you on some level? Thanks a Million with Angela Scanlon is a recipe production. 